Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Mike Sinisi. Mike is the executive editor of Make Magazine and a former colleague of mine. He worked as a DIY journalist and a TV host throughout his career with roles at Wired and Ready-Made Magazines and on Discovery and Science Channels. Hey, Mike, how's it going? It's going pretty good, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, we're really, really eager and uh, glad to have you share some of your favorite tools with us. Well, I'm honored to be part of this, and uh, you know, cool. Kevin, uh, Kevin, we haven't had a chance to meet in person, but uh, you know, this is it's exciting for me to get to even talk to you on on the podcast. So, thanks for having me on. Oh yes, our delight, Mike. Just remind me, you did a show. I think it was called like "If You Catch It, You Can Keep It." Or <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. It was called "Catch It, Keep It." That was a uh, yeah. that was a, a lot of fun and really wild and um, and kind of goofy, but it was a. Uh, a TV show that was came from the same heritage of like junkyard wars and scrap heap challenge and some of the same producers Mm -hmm. uh, where we would bring uh, each episode, we would bring in three contestants that didn't know each other, put them together as a team and tell them that they had to build something in 48 hours to overcome some massive monumental force of destruction that was (laughs) going to destroy the prize that they would win if they could stop it. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, oh. a pretty a, a pretty fun and over-the-top uh, uh, concept, show concept, and uh, a ton of fun, frightening at times. Um, yeah. but, it, was fun. it was really fun. Oh, thank and, you. Um, yeah. And are there videos of it on YouTube? There know? are. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's been a little tricky to find. I actually went through recently and um, tried to – tried to archive as much of it as I could to my personal website, just so I've got mm-hmm. my own, you know, my, my, my own copies of it. Um, but I uh, recently had a call with the discovery people. And in that call, I, I pushed pretty, uh, pretty well on um, trying to get them to get it onto the new discovery plus platform, which apparently mm-hmm. is going well, it's, it's working out pretty well for discovery and they're figuring cool. out how they're, how they're doing it. So they're looking into that. They said, oh, of course it should be, but there's, they said back then, you know, this was 2009 when we got show. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's been a little bit. Uh, people signed away rights to lots of different things. And no one even had the idea of streaming at that point. Right. I think we were one of the first shows in HD at that, at, at when we were doing it. So, um, Wow. Well, hopefully those will resurface and make, so people can watch them because they're. Yeah. So you can fun. find a bunch of it on my site, mikesanisi.com. Oh, so, okay, cool. Yeah, okay. That's great. Well, thanks. We'll put yeah. that link in, in the show. Because uh, I loved, I would love to see it. I remember Junkyard Wars, um, which was a really cool concept, and and they disappeared off the face of the earth, <laughs> never to be seen again. Right. But um, even that. even watch, even trying to find some of the old MythBusters are hard unless you, I guess, now subscribe to Disney Plus, which I haven't even checked out yet. But yeah, it is amazing all the great stuff that is kind of this orphan mode. Um, waiting for, I mean, unfortunately, the only way you see it is you pirate it, which to me is like an insane business model, but, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and I think that they're finally getting to the point with all these streaming platforms, you know, now suddenly everybody's got one. You got Discovery Plus, you got Disney Plus, Paramount's just doing theirs. Um, 
HBO Max and a million others. And you know, when, when Netflix came out, you had this cord cutter concept where you could just get rid of cable and you just got one thing and you're good and just the show that you want. And suddenly everybody's jumped in and, you know, I look at this and I'm like, oh, my cable bill just tripled because I have to have all the platforms now. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. And yes, I, I think the idea of there only being one is just not going to ever happen. No, no. Everybody wants no. to get, get in on it. Right, right. So, Mike, tell us about some tools that you're really excited um, for these days. What, what's yeah. What's so, one on the list? Okay. So, you know, and these, I made a little list for you guys and they're not in any, uh, real particular order. Um, but, uh, I love tools. Um, and, and, and I, and I violate that rule of a tool should be, uh, it should be for a specific job. I violate that constantly because, uh, you know, I, I grew up with a very handyman family. Uh, you know, my, my mom and dad were, they, they were always making and building things. And so, you know, I, it was nice to have access to, a tool when I needed it. And I still like that feeling. Um, so anyways, first on my list, uh, is one that I actually have been using quite a bit recently. And this is a skateboard multi-tool. It's a T-shaped tool, uh, that has on each end a different size socket. And the first one of these I got when I was in eighth grade, it was the Gullwing six pack it was called. And, um, it was super handy and I actually still have that one. And I was, and I was using it not too long ago and kind of got nervous that it's a vintage piece now. So I, uh, I upgraded, actually I kind of downgraded cause I think the original <laughs> one was a better quality tool, but I don't want to mess it up, uh, to, uh, to one that I found on Amazon that has, uh, has some additional features, it's got a ratcheting, uh, uh, socket on one end. So you can, bolt on your trucks and, uh, it's got a, a die on one side. So if you're, uh, if the, the axle for your trucks is getting chewed up and you can't get the, the nuts on and off to get your wheels on and off, uh, you can, you can, you can redo it. Um, and, and it's been really nice for me because over the, the pandemic and a little bit before that, but really over the pandemic, one of the things that, that me and, uh, my family have been doing a lot of skateboarding. Uh, we, we built a little ramp in our garage and my son's just about to turn seven. And, uh, we like to go out there and we just roll back and forth. And, uh, and then if we go on a, a drive somewhere, which we're starting to do a little bit more of now, um, we've been looking for different skate parks in the area and find, uh, maybe a place to grab some food and then go to the skate park and have a little picnic and roll around a little bit. And even, you know, even my wife, she's practicing on a skateboard too. So this has been getting a lot of use and it's, uh, it's just kind of representative of, of the fun that we've been having together as a family with this as our activity. So tell us about like w what it does. Yeah. All the different things. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, okay. So, uh, the longest, uh, side of it, it's got a socket for the, uh, the bolts that would put the truck, uh, the truck bolts on, uh, you know, there's eight of those. Um, and you know, I think it's probably quarter inch. I'm, I'm going to take a guess here. Uh, the two sides has one for uh, the smaller of the sockets there is for the wheel nuts. I think that's half inch. And then the larger one, slightly bigger than that, maybe five eighths, uh, guessing, but it's approximately that size is for the kingpin. And that's the one, uh, you know, it's, that we're tight, constantly tightening and loosening the trucks, which is what you do through the kingpin. So you can get a good feel for how, uh, how much flex the trucks have and, you know, how wobbly the skateboard will be. And at first you want to have a little bit of tightness, then you want to, you know, loosen them up a little bit as you get a little more comfortable on the board. Um, 
but the new that's new upgraded one you know i mentioned it has that uh you know the ability to to tap out the uh the axles it also has on the top it has a file uh so you can uh, when you put on the grip tape on top of your skateboard uh a lot of times you want to go around and just get a good kind of smoothed out edge around the skateboard so it's not peeling up and uh with this file on the top here that that's nice to use for that uh it's got a allen key with um with a phillips head screwdriver uh that slots right into the middle of it and then it comes with two additional uh socket pieces that uh go right into that bottom socket uh that you can use for one of them's a, a bigger Allen one. And the other one's just a round cylinder that you would use as a bearing puller to pull the, if you want to take mm -hmm. the bearings out of your wheels and clean them up. And, um, yeah, but the, the, the sock, the, the ratcheting aspect of it, you can hear it. Uh, it's, it's there's something really oh, pleasing great. about that as you, as you just <laughs> twist, twist those wheels on, you don't have to kind of constantly be yeah. changing your wrist around. You just click, 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 pull your wheels on it or your trucks on and off. It's really nice. And it's that like it looks like so it's about great. twenty bucks or nineteen dollars on Amazon, so it's exactly. very affordable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. It's it's good. You know, there's there's a little piece here on the, the on that ratcheting part that's plastic, and uh, you know, it's mine's holding up, but uh, it is something that I I looked at that when I got mine, and I said, uh, well, you know, hopefully this is you know, I don't drop it off the back of a of something tall or out of the window of a car, but uh, it's working, so that's good. Have you ever had to use the threader? I just did. I actually just did the other day. I got um, one of my buddies, Noah, he gave me his old skateboard. And he, he and I grew up together. We became friends mm -hmm. in at the end of sixth grade because we both were skaters. Cool. And like, like, like you know, 11-year-old skaters. So, you know, we're, we both were getting into that. And this is like middle of the 80s, like sort of the start of the Bones Brigade era. And um, the other day, uh, he said, hey, do you, do you want this old board of mine? And I was like, what, tell me the story. He goes, he's like, oh, I, I traded this with, with Chris and uh, he, he took my blockhead. I took this one and it's a vision board, uh, Mark Gonzalez, original Mark Gonzalez board. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's seen some wear and tear, but it's, it's the real deal. It's not a reissue and it's got the old trucks on it. The front trucks, an Indy, back trucks, a tracker truck, which is a kind of a goofy thing too. And, um, and so I went through and I was putting in some old wheels, vintage old wheels, but, uh, a little bit nicer, uh, putting some new bearings on it too. And as I was doing it, I, I did, I, I cleaned up the bolts, uh, on the axles there so we could get the, uh, the nuts on nice and, and well. Wow. That's really cool. Right before the pandemic, my parents were moving. So I went up into over there to help them move. And I found like my old comics and stuff up in the attic. And one thing that I found was my cache of old thrasher magazines oh. i have some from like 1981 oh wow far back they go and uh they're like so much fun to look at yeah there's there was just a like a, a such a cool vibe and aesthetic uh that and then, you know, some of it's just like for me growing up kind of figuring out like what does cool mean and uh and and defining that by reading old thrash you know there were new thrashers at the time but you know like that was a it was really instrumental in uh kind of building up really what turned into it's funny because it, it, it turned into a sort of a theme for my life uh which a lot of it was set in place by my parents of being hands-on and building things and making things but uh, i was able to express that with skating as a kid building ramps and finding supplies and taking things apart and trying to clean up bearings and 
just figure out how to make things work better and roll better and, and have fun with the resources that we have around us. And, um, you know, a lot of that came from, from those old thrashers. Yeah. Such cool. a great magazine. All right. Well, what's next on your list? So next on my list, I put, and this is something, uh, I put these silicone measuring cups on here. And this was something that, um, you know, that's funny how like the, the, the human brain can conjure something. So I, one of the things that I've been having fun with in the garage as we roll back and forth is, um, making these wax skulls. I bought a wax, a silicone wax or a silicone, um, skull mold. Uh, mm-hmm. a pair of them on Amazon a year mm-hmm. ago. And, um, and just for kicks, I've been melting down wax and pouring them in and then letting it congeal and opening up and see how they look and changing colors and melting crayons into them and having fun with it and trying not to make a big mess. But um, it's been really um, kind of a, kind of a rinky dink operation on my side. And part of what I'd been using was some old tin cans from I don't know, probably some, some, garbanzo beans or something that we had used for a salad. And I started getting to the point where I was thinking, oh, I really wish that I had a silicone cup because the, when, when the, the wax hardens off of these, uh, the molds, you know, you can just kind of fold them apart and the wax breaks out and pops apart. And it's just so easy to, to, to manipulate, but it's a pain in the butt with those, with the tin cans and everything else that I've been using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so, stick. yeah, yeah. And you have to kind of dig in there and poke around. Like I'm just trying to get, clean things up. And, uh, and so I, I thought to myself, well, let me just see if such a thing exists. You know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe I could try to make something, but, um, and so I looked on Amazon and you know, of course there's like 500 uh, variations <laughs> of that exact thing. And um, so, so I, I bought uh, a set that looked suitable for me. It was about, I think, about 10, maybe a little bit less than $10. Um, came with two larger ones and a couple smaller ones and it came right away and they're pliable and, um, and, and just so satisfying. And it's just, it's, and it's been fun. I mean, it's, again, it's just like a total nonsense little side thing that I've been doing. Um, but that addition to it has made it, uh, just a, a, another new step of enjoyability to the, to the whole process. And now I'm thinking, what else can I use them for? And they're marketed for uh, for people working with epoxy uh, mm-hmm. as well, uh, which uh, I think it's it's brilliant because that would be a, a great way to use these. Yeah, you can use them for 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 paint too, because they also um, the same thing. They make it just clean up uh, very very easy. I That's use little I use little tiny micro silicon bowls to mix my epoxy, like five minute epoxies in. And then you let it harden and then it just pops right out. So you, you just reuse these bowls again and again, instead of even going through plastic ones. That's it's, really smart. Yeah. I've been trying to do, I, I didn't even think of that yet. Uh, Cause all the, the, the epoxy stuff that I do, which isn't too often, but when I do, it's always, yeah. I've got a scrap of wax paper in the garage and an old uh, popsicle stick that I keep trimming yeah. smaller and smaller. <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, that's really smart. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, you can find them. They're I don't called nano bowls or silicon tiny tiny silicon bowls. Same idea. Anything that hardens, including paint, you can um, mix in these bowls, and they're just turn them inside out, and they're clean. Love it. That's great. Tell me a little bit about that skull 
mold? Is it like a silicone? Is it, is it like for making candles typically or? You know, I, th- it's, or- it's, uh, I think it's marketed and again, it's another thing you can find it, uh, lots of variations of this on Amazon and, and anywhere else, eBay, et cetera. But, um, it's marketed f- at, for ice cubes. And it does mm-hmm. a terrible job at mm-hmm. making ice cubes because um, <laughs> if if you guys have ever tinkered with um, with freezing ice, it always comes out cloudy. And then over yeah. the over the last few years, a few people uh, started figuring out there's actually a whole clear ice community out there, and it's super nerdy and awesome and mm-hmm. and, and 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 really cool. And it's been fun to see this clear ice community figure out how to really dial in a small and efficient clear ice system. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it involves, if you, there was Kickstarters about this and now you can actually find these like very different forms of these clear ice uh, tools or ice, like big ice cube, whiskey, ice cube ball uh, systems. You can find them online, all the, all the different big outlets. Um, and it involves f- doing directional freezing. So you've got your, you've got a, a, a pool of water and then you've got the mold that sits above it with water that leads into it. And as the ice freezes, uh, it'll freeze from the mold down into that pool of water. Cause the pool of water is insulated around the outside of it. Mm-hmm. And as, as it freezes downwards, it's pushing the air downwards, uh, that's, that's trapped inside of it. So it, it, uh, it ends up, you get the, the ice cube without the pockets of air in it, which causes the cloudiness. Um, so, and, and it works, works really well. And wow. actually, I actually, I did, I did buy one of those, one of those setups. I, I, I even, I, I wrote a few different how tos on it and then ended up buying one because it just, it got so dialed in and became so easy and small and, um, and convenient that it was just better to buy a system to, to, to do it. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't work on the skulls. It does. Well, it, it's not for these because these uh, the molds for the skulls that I got are the type that it says oh like you know make skull ice and there's no other apparatus to it it's just a mold mm-hmm. and um and you could I mean it it works it's just gonna look terrible um, compared to when you look at what a, a, a crystal clear version of it looks like um, so I've been instead I've you know been pouring wax into them and I, my thought was oh you know we could maybe take these and use them to wax up a curb. If, uh, you know, if you're going to go skating and, and you want to do some oh, grinds cool. on the curb, you wax up the curbs with these. Um, I tried doing some candles and the candles melted really oddly because it's not designed for, for candles. I had to figure out how to get a wick in there and the wick mm-hmm. was kind of towards the back and it just sort of burned out the side of it. And, um, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, um, I don't know any type of mold making and mold use. I actually find it to be really, um, really pretty fun because you put it together and then you have to kind of, you wait overnight and you wake up in the morning and peel it apart. And there's a satisfaction like that kind of crackling sound of peeling the, the mold off of something. <laughs> yeah. And then, it, and then it reveals it itself and there it is. And, and, um, it's, yeah, it's really cool. That sounds great. That's cool. The clear yeah. ice community. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I was I was not aware of the clear ice community. We'll have yeah. to visit that. Or maybe your fifth tool might be a suggestion of the um, the best clear ice system. I'll I'll add one in. Yeah, I can I can send okay. you guys the link to the to the one that I got. Yeah, yeah, because there's a few yeah. of them out there now. 
But um, tell us about your third choice. The, um, it's, it's the opposite of ice in many ways. Exactly, yeah. So the third one on here, uh, I put down plasma cutter. And, and the reason that I put this on here is because plasma cutting for me is the closest to feeling like uh, a superhero, like that I actually have superhuman abilities. Uh, it's, it, it's the closest that made me feel like that to anything else that I've ever really done. Welding being second, because you know, you've got with welding, you're, 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 you're fusing two pieces of metal together, but with plasma cutting it, you are cleaving materials apart that you really, it just doesn't make sense that you've got the ability to do this and they're compact and it's just, it's so powerful and it's, um, and it's just kind of astounding. And it had been a long time since I had the ability to tinker around with plasma cutting. Um, but I always, you know, I always wanted to do more of it. So I recently was able to access, uh, the, the hypertherm power max 30 air, which is the one that I was noting to you guys. Um, I, I, uh, it caught my eye because it has a built-in air compressor. And one of the things that was was always challenging with uh, welding and with with plasma cutting is that you need to have you need to have an air system of some sort. Uh, with with a welder, you have to have your you know if, if you got a MIG welder, you have to have your 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 gases for that. Or you know the TIG uh, welding, same thing, the tungsten gas for for TIG welding. Um, with plasma cutting, you have to have a big compressor that's got enough uh, enough force to keep uh, keep the plasma moving and then enough storage that it doesn't just constantly recharge itself. Um, and I don't have that in my house. I don't have space for big air compressor systems, mm-hmm. but then I saw this thing and, uh, it's kind of newish. Um, and, and it's got a built in compressor. And I guess, you know, I was, I was really curious, like, could, would this actually do the job? Would it, would, you know, could you plasma cut with it and, and do extended work with it and, have it actually be adequate and it it is it's pretty amazing and how much does it cost this one's a little bit on the pricier side this one's about two thousand oh, dollars and okay. you can get plasma cutters you can go to harbor freight and get a plasma cutter for a few hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks um and you know they probably do do a fine job I've, i haven't used the 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 ones that are at that level um but you know this one it's the that company hypertherm this is like their lowest level machine. So they're building stuff that's pro grade. And, um, and, uh, the, the, the problem with it, there's two problems that I, that I have. First one is that this one is a complete violation of what I was saying at the start of, of our conversation here, where I don't have a project for this. I, uh, <laughs> it caught my eye and I was like, yeah, I missed plasma cutting. I've got an opportunity to get my hands on one of these. Let's tinker with it. And, you know, and, and my mind spiraled. I'm like, oh, I'm going to build giant dinosaur skeletons for the backyard and all that fun sculpture stuff. Um, but, you know, I haven't. And, uh, and, and part of that's because, you know, especially now with the pandemic, um, cost of everything, cost of materials is just crazy. It's just skyrocketing. Yeah. So it's just hard. It's hard to work on any projects right now. Um, the second problem that I had is that in the time since I had really done much with plasma cutting before until now, I've actually spent a lot of time in the digital fabrication world. A lot of, you know, mostly because of all the make stuff that we're doing. 
And mm-hmm. I've gotten really accustomed to the precision of CNC. And so I got my hands on, uh, on, on this plasma cutter and I started, I started working my way through some scrap metal and I was like, wow, this looks really crappy. <laughs> it's just not, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, like you'll see like examples of plasma cutting where they actually have like the, these great pla- CNC plasma cutting tables and you'll make, you know, perfect, you know, you make bike gears and all the components and everything's perfect and it looks so good. And then when you do it like this, it looks like you're trying to cut a big, thick piece of cardboard with some really dull student scissors. It's just <laughs> jagged and all over the place. And, um, and so, you know, now I'm thinking, okay, can I take this and can I, could I build it into a CNC table? And then, and so this is like the whole thing spiraling. I don't have, you know, and again, and get, get me right back to the problem. Like, well, I don't have space for the air compressors, much less a plasma table with a big water tank under it and all the other stuff. Um, but I, I want it. I really want it. I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, um, again, to describe this for the listeners, um, what this looks like, it's, um, it's like a kind of like a, I don't know, a generator size machine. Exactly. That, um, yeah. Has a, has a handle, a torch ish handle on it where the, where the plasma comes out. Is that basically yep. right with a hose? Between yeah. Them? Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if someone's familiar, you know, with just kind of like loosely familiar with a uh, personal sized welding machine, it's really easy to confuse a plasma cutter with, with, a, with a welder. They have the exact same form factor. Um, you know, they kind of look like, uh, like a quadruple sized shoebox on its side with some dials on the front, a uh, couple of leads coming out of it. One of them's the plasma gun. The other one you clip on to, uh, to complete the circuit uh, onto your piece of metal or your, your table that you're working on. And then a power cord on the back. Uh, this one run, it runs off of standard 110 voltage. So you can, you could plug it into your garage wall without having to worry about having 220 or something, you know, something heavy duty like that. Um, and it's just, you know, a knob or two to work with. And, it, and it, the air compressor works on that. So you don't need to have the big air compressor and the yeah. way that it, and the, and, and it's, um, does it burn? Where does, where does the heat come from? Is it just electric heat that makes the plasma that burns the steel? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so it's, um, you know, there's, there's no gas involved with it. Uh, you know, you can, you can, you can cut metal with some really high intensity torches. Uh, but this one it's, it's electric. Um, you've got, you you create this really high intensity spark, uh, that's creating the plasma. And then you've got the, uh, the, the air component of it, the compressed air component of it, which is really just forcing out the slag of what the the plasma itself uh is 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 producing and um it's kind of it's actually kind of simple uh, it's a, once you look at how the whole operation works you know the circuit's completed by having that uh the lead that connects to the to the metal that you're working on and then you could just get that plasma gun tip close enough to the metal itself and it creates the spark and you just hold it as close as you can without really getting in there and um and you just try to keep it at a steady uh steady amount of uh, steady distance and a steady rate of movement and um try to get a nice clean cut 
and that's that's the part where it just gets <laughs> so jaggedy and, and it's it's impossible to do it by hand and have it look the way that it does with a like a CNC setup. And mm. yeah, now I'm spoiled. <laughs> yes, I get it. That sounds wow. cool. So okay. so uh, tell us about the uh, Particles' new boron microcontroller. Yeah. So this cool. one. Yeah. So I, I, I'm really excited about this. I'm. Again, you know, with Make, we talk a lot about microcontrollers, and I'm very agnostic about all the different brands and types. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of everything that Arduino has been doing and how they really they, they kicked things off for this whole community uh, uh, to, to exist. Um, but I wanted to put this one on here because um, I got really excited about this new thing that, uh, that, that Particle set up lately. Um, month or two ago, Particle made an announcement. So Particle's a microcontroller company, um, and they've got to focus on IoT. Uh, they work with a lot of companies to put devices into their products so that they can communicate with the internet. And I know Jacuzzi is always one of the big ones that they talk about. I guess there's a connected Jacuzzi hot tub that you can, that you can get. Um, but you know, you'll, you'll find some of their devices inside of the, the, like the, the scooters, the, the, like the, the, the rideshare scooter mm -hmm. setups and, and so forth. And Boron is one of their products. It's one of the boards that they've had. Um, it's been around for a few years, a couple years now. And it works with um, it works with cellular data. So some of the boards, you know, originally like the original Arduino came out, and you'd have to plug it in with USB, set it up, program it, and then you can unplug the USB, plug it into a power source, and it would run the program that you have working on it, and to make a servo move or to make a light blink or you know, million other things, exciting things. Um, and then some of the companies started adding in Wi-Fi as a capability. Uh, Way, way to communicate with it or to have to control it or to, to connect with it. And then Particle, uh, they did the same thing where they had some Wi-Fi on some of their boards and then they added a couple of boards that had cellular capabilities, an LTE cellular capability. The Boron was one and I think the other was the Electron. And mm -hmm. um, again, professional use in mind and um, something that I didn't, really tinker with much at all. Um, but you know, we reported about it and, and then, uh, earlier this year, they made a big announcement that they were adding a tier to their cellular, uh, package for makers that would allow for free cellular data and, uh, free use of the particle, uh, the, the particle cloud platform. And, um, and I think that's just, I think that's just, it's so exciting because if you're working on a project that's needs some form of long range communication, uh, Wi-Fi was really like the only thing you could do that was free. There's some stuff that's coming out now, like LoRa is growing in popularity in, in Europe. And I'm starting to get really nerdy just even talking about some of these different wireless communication protocols, but cellular is is everywhere you know everybody's got a cell phone now and you can't it's, it's hard to go too far away from any any populated area without having cell coverage and now you could create a project with this uh with, with the particle board a maker scale project and interact with it anywhere um and 
and it's free. And that's just, uh, it just kind of opens up all these exciting ideas of ways that you could, things you could build or make or do. Um, Anywhere you have a cell cell service. Exactly. You can have this thing reporting back to you or reporting back to a citizen science project. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Really. yeah. Yeah. And it's cheap too. It's 60 bucks. Yeah. And how does the cell thing, like do you get, um, does it kind of like all go through basically kind of one number and then you have like a sub number that would divert your data to your place on the cloud, I would imagine. I mean, each, how I, th- I think, I think what they're doing is each device has its own unique thing altogether. So when you get, you know, wow. when you got this, when you get, when you get one of these, you register it with their system. And, and the one that I've been tinkering with, I mean, it's, it was really quick. It just fired up and it was ready to go. Um, but with that, it also made me think, I know, I know people that have found discarded scooters, like those bird scooters that, uh, you know, so some, some people trashed those things pretty badly when they were really starting to make the rounds throughout cities. And I know people that harvested some of the parts from the inside of those. And, um, mm-hmm. I said, I don't know if I would plug those boards in that you might've taken out of there because they're all unique. I think that it, if, if the company wanted to find out where those boards are, yeah, it's, uh, right. it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's like finding a cell phone and plugging in, turning on. Someone's like, Oh, there's my, there's my cell phone. It just went back online. Right. Um, so that's, that's my understanding of it. And I'm not you know an expert in exactly how it works, but, uh, it, it seems like it, everything is, is running off of its own, its own unique ID. You know, it's kind of, it has its own okay. SIM in it or, you know, wow. SIM type thing in it. Sure, sure. Do you have any plans really in cool. mind for one, like a future project? That yeah, you'd like to use it for? I actually I've built something. So uh, I've got a family member that lives nearby, and they live in a uh, a little gated community. And um, the gate in their community it's pretty basic. Uh, you, you have to have a, a remote, like a standard garage door remote, to open it, mm-hmm. um, or there's a, a keypad at the start. Uh, right at the entrance to the gate. And um, anytime they have a guest come over, uh, they either have to go down to click the button to open the gate or they have to tell the person what the, what the code is. And um, if it's a stranger, you know, someone's coming over, that's just for popping by for something, you know, then it can be awkward. You know, you don't necessarily want to have a, a random person knowing what that, that code is you yeah. know, kind of violates, you know, having that, that gate there. And so I've been thinking about a lot of different ways of like, how could, how could, how could they build something that could fit around this? And actually that's, that's the thing. When this announcement came out, that was the first thing that popped in my head. I said, aha, just solved it. There's, there it is. That's the solution. The gate's too far away to, to have Wi-Fi reach it. But of course there's cellular there, you know, it's, it's uh, uh-huh. <laughs> because cellular is everywhere. And so I, uh, I actually, I, I bought a remote, and we uh, we linked the remote, a spare remote. We linked it up to the gate, and then I breadboarded uh, a really simple circuit using a, a NPN transistor uh, to work as a switch, and um, and then soldered a couple leads from there right into the, uh, the the push button, either side of the push button on the remote, and um, and then I uh, put together a really simple web app that has a button on it says click gate you press that button and the 
the, the board itself closes the circuit, which jumps that push button and the trans the, the, the remote transmits the open signal. And then we went down and we put it inside the gate and just hit it inside the opener op- apparatus. There's an extra power mm-hmm. plug in there. And, um, and it works. And now oh, they can open so the gate. Cool. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because cool. like they can open the gate from anywhere if they, because it's, right. it's now mm-hmm. internet, you know, they, they, it's on their, their cloud. So if, uh, if this person was on the other side of the planet, if they were on a business trip in Singapore and someone was at the gate, they just click that web button and the gate opens. Okay. That's amazing. What a cool yeah. project. Yeah. It's, it's right. really it's satisfying. Cool. Really, really satisfying. That one's, that one's given me a lot of, a lot of smiles lately. I love that. That's so cool. So, so Mike, we just have a couple of minutes, but I wanted you to uh, tell us about, I know this is something you've been doing for a long time. So you know a lot about it. Pizza making. Yeah. Right? So, um, <laughs> You have a, a website about pizza making or well, pages about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, on, uh, pizza making's really been one of my biggest passions um, since forever. Uh, when I was in high school, I worked at pizza places. When I was in college, I worked at pizza places and, um, and, and even after college. Um, and uh, it's just been a, this journey of like, okay, how do you, you know, how do you make the perfect pizza? Uh, and so I've spent a lot of time, a number of years just trying to figure out, and it's from, from like, from the beginning, working at a pizza place doesn't really show you, okay, like this is actually how to make dough the right way. And this is how to make sauce the right way. And this is how to use your own home oven to, to actually bake a good pizza. Um, so I just spent years and years collecting pieces of information about like different ways of making all the ingredients decently and how to how to how to use your, your your kitchen appliances in different ways. You know how to use your broiler to cook pizza instead of just using the the oven itself, or how to use the stove top, or mm-hmm. um, you know barbecuing. I actually barbecued pizza, uh, which a lot of people I think are, are doing now. But that's probably the second best way of making pizza aside from having a, your own wood fired oven. And so yeah, I've, I've put a lot of it. I've got my my site that I was maintaining. Um, really actively for a long time, uh, called mikesinisi.com slash do it. And, um, mm-hmm. and it was just projects, a lot of DIY projecty stuff. Um, but I put all my pizza, all my, my pizza blogging, uh, ended up in there too. And, um, yeah, it's fun, you know, kind of like, like the clear ice community that I was talking about before. There's like a huge nerdy pizza, uh, community online as well. And so I've gotten to I've gotten to be friends with a lot of people in a lot of different parts of, of the country. And, um, and even when I, when I travel abroad, I always end up, I end up finding different pizza places. And it's kind of silly to be like in Japan eating pizza. Cause I should be eating Japanese food cause I'm in Japan, but, um, I've got to test out the Japanese pizza oh, yeah. while I'm there. And they make great pizza. They so. do. They actually yeah. do make some really good pizza. Yeah. yeah. So that's been, <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Yeah. That's been a lot of fun for me. Yeah. So mikesinec.com well, slash do it. Yep. That's yes. it. We'll have a link to it. Great. Thank yes. you. Yeah. And so Mike, uh, we have to run because we're going to record another episode, but this has been a blast catching up with you. Yeah, you too. Learning about your projects. All really cool stuff and, and a lot of surprises in here too. So thanks so much, Mike. Thank you guys as well. It's an honor. Hey, everybody. It's your co-host, Mark. And I wanted to let you know that we have a lot more going on here in Cool Tools than just this podcast. 
We have our flagship website where we review a new tool every day. That's at cool-tools.org. We also have four different newsletters. We have this podcast. We have a YouTube channel where we review tools. And if you like what you hear and see and read, the best way to help us out is by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cooltools and donate at any level you wish. You can even contribute $1 a month, and, and that would mean a lot to us. The money that you give us will go towards paying for our transcribing costs, editing videos, and editing the podcast. It goes towards paying contributors who write the reviews for us. It goes towards our equipment costs, our hosting costs, and it supports our very small company of three people. This week, I wanted to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters who have been giving us at least $2 a month. And if you give us $2 a month, we'll give you a shout out online. And this week, I would like to thank Michael Sakochia, Molly Starr, M. Velderman, Opposable Thumbs, Pamela Cooley, Patrick Weyer, Paul Hosey, Randy Fisher, Stuart Burroughs Brand, Synaptic Sam, Therese Schwartz, Tom Hawkins, Tom Markham, What Bear, Javier Pangolin, David Lang, Eric Byers, Sean Hartley, Stephen Powell, Greg Lichtscheidt, John Hobson, Adam Bristol, Adam Naher, Anonymous, Bill Kempthorne, Bruce I. Niles, Chris Woodruff, C. Kolos, Daryl Flynn, Egg Fliegoff, Eric Hanschrau, Eric Hoover, Godfrey Saldana, Jay Skiles, John M. Larson, Jude Galligan, Kenneth Gilman, and Lucas Frank. Thank you very much for supporting the show, and we will see you next week.